Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Matt. Matt is a friend of mine from the Duck Feed Slack. Yes, everybody out there, take a drink. Uh, Matt and I sat down and talked about his history with the games. Uh, it's a really interesting conversation. It was fun kind of going through all of the games that he played in such a short time frame and uh, just to kind of re-experience all those over again. It was a lot of fun. So I think you're going to enjoy the episode, and so I will let you listen to it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. actually played demon souls first i started in uh, 2013 but to to rewind back a little bit um i took a long break from gaming uh starting in high school when i started playing guitar and started playing in bands and then i went to college didn't want that distraction so I left my consoles at home and i i just dropped out of gaming for a while and uh, what happened was i went to atlantic city in the winter of 2009 and won $600 on blackjack and used it to buy a ps3 <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and i spent that entire winter break playing uh, modern warfare 2 and uncharted 2 and had a really great time and it was like the first time getting back into current gen gaming um but also during that time i started listening to podcasts uh, i had never listened to a podcast before i i didn't I hadn't listened to anything that resembled games criticism, and so I got really into that. Um, so I, I heard of Darks and Demon Souls, I, the Souls games, um, mostly through Bob Mackey. Oh yeah, and, from the Retro Nuts uh, podcast. A little bit from um, Yeah, yeah. I think he mostly talked about it on Games Damn It, which was One Up's uh, general gaming podcast. Because I don't think he talked about it much on Retro Nuts, but um, he was a big you know evangelist for for that game, for Dark Souls. And also uh, another podcast that I, I don't hear mentioned too much. Uh, have you ever heard of the Experience Points podcast? I have not. Oh, it's another general gaming podcast, uh, but one of the uh, two hosts on that show, Scott Juster, he played Demon Souls pretty much when it came out, and that was a thing that kept getting brought up every now and then. And so, you know, I was I was aware of the Souls games, and I was still trying to dabble and get my get my head back into what gaming was like, you know, circa 2009, 2010. And having heard enough about, I heard enough about the games that I knew that I was really going to get into it because I'm a, uh, I'm an enthusiast by nature. It's just sort of the way I, I operate. Like I never go into anything halfway. I always go as deep as I can right away. And I knew that Dark Souls was a series, or at least as they were described to me, that it would be, you know, I would fall into that hole and I wouldn't get out for a while. So I knew like it would be the kind of thing I, I had owned the games for a while, but I like wanted to be at a time where I could clear my schedule mm-hmm. and just know that I'm playing this game, you know, three, four, five, six hours a day until I get to the other end of it. So I didn't end up playing Demon Souls until 2013. And uh, at that point, I was actually, uh, I had moved down to uh, the DC area. I'm originally from Connecticut, but I, I, I went down there. I didn't really have a plan. I thought I might have had a job lined up, and it fell through. Hmm. So I had a, I had a lot of time on my hands being unemployed and looking for jobs, and it was a perfect time to fall into a Demon Souls hole. <laughs> unemployed in a new city where you probably don't know a whole lot of people, or if you do, you know, maybe not even anybody, and just like, okay, now I have this brand new shiny PS3. It's time to get into a thing. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, I knew a lot of people because uh, where I went to for college, a lot of people migrate north a couple of hours and end up in D.C. So I, I knew people, but most of them have jobs and had work <laughs> and were at their jobs. So, like, there was, a, like, a lot of span of time where I was living with a couple of roommates and, you know, they, they would be out for most of the day. So, I you know, I for a little while, I would just take out chunks of time and, and play Demon Souls. And uh, I, I knew the game was going to be very hard. And I, I, I wasn't really disappointed in that. Um, you know, I don't necessarily play games for difficulty per se, but I, I do have a, a part of me that likes a challenge and that is drawn to, you know, reaching a certain accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And um, but there was a lot of things about the game that intimidated me, like the the autosave function in particular. Just knowing that any mistake I make 
you know, even if it is just putting the controller down and hitting Stockpile Thomas, like you're you're done. Like that run would be done, <laughs> and I would lose forty hours of play, and I would be really mad at myself because you know I don't like wasting that much time in a game because there's so many games out there. I don't want to like lose progress. Um, so that was something that I had to. You know, I had to struggle with when I was going through the game, just second guessing myself and looking at the wikis and making sure I, I, I kill the right NPC at the right time so they don't kill another NPC. You know, there was just so many things about the game that were that were stressful, but that sort of added to the that tension added to the satisfaction of, you know, overcoming the challenges or, you know, understanding like how the game's actually working. Mm-hmm. What was it like we're at this point? Like, what time frame is this? Has Dark Souls was already out, or and then you were going back to Demon Souls? Dark Souls was already out. Okay, so this is post twenty eleven. This was, I think, this was um, sometime around when Dark Souls two was and the the hype machine for Dark Souls two was starting. Mm-hmm. I think I had seen the the trailer of the of the guy you know walking up in a snowy area. Like, I, I just have a very distinct image of what that Dark Souls two two trailer looked like, which looked very different from the game I ended up playing when I got to Dark Souls 2, but that's, we'll, we'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like that, I'm just curious, um, like when you, like as you're starting to play this game, there's obviously a lot of, uh, uh, resources out there available for Demon Souls and Dark Souls. If that was, if you were just coming up on Dark Souls 2, were you taking advantage of any of that stuff? Like, were you watching lore videos or getting the, like how to, how to play Demon Souls for the first time? Kind of like, you know, always use the Royal ring or or whatever, always use the Royal class and get the thief's ring and do all this. Like, were you doing that stuff or were you trying to go in totally blind? Um, for Demon Souls, like it changed at at first for, for Demon Souls, I was looking on the wiki and the wiki does have like, you know, text, um, I forget the exact wiki because there's multiple ones. I think it's wiki dot. Um, but they had, you know, walkthroughs that were in text describing walking through the area. And, you know, a, a lot of my experience with, with Demon Souls and um, Dark Souls, you know, I, I did spoil myself a bit, mm-hmm. particularly for Dark Souls. And I'll, I'll mention it when I get there. But for Demon Souls, I mostly I didn't want to go in and have a have a bad build or end up with a bad weapon and then really struggle so i I tried to plan out my build ahead of time okay tried to find where the items were that i was looking for but i didn't watch any videos for demon souls um and i and i didn't get into the lore of it until i started listening to bonfire side chat which i i did in 2015 when i picked up dark souls finally um because i had been listening to waff for a while and they kept mentioning bonfire side chat and they kept mentioning how much they love Dark Souls. And I was like, okay, I know I have to do this eventually, but I don't want to spoil myself. I want to enjoy the ride along with the, along with them mm-hmm. listening to the podcast. So I actually, you know, I ended up beating Demon Souls. Um with uh I, I think my play clock was a uh, sixty nine hours. Nice. Sorry, the internet yes. has trained me. I'm Very so nice. sorry. <laughs> I can't. I can't no stop worries. myself. It just it was just automatic. I didn't oh, even I think mean, about I, doing it. That's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, when I when I turned on my my PS3 and and checked my my game clock, I'm like, ah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> what was that first playthrough but, like? Because um, you know, playing the what I'm going to quote unquote normal video games like your first Souls experience is always pretty jarring. Uh, is at least mine was, and most of the people I talked to on this podcast, it's it was jarring for them as well because it plays so substantially different from other games. Was that a learning curve for you? Were you because that's that's where I think a lot of the difficulty in you know the Souls games are hard comes from is just learning the game, learning how to play the game, not necessarily overcoming giant bosses with eight thousand HP or anything. Yeah, I mean, there definitely was a learning curve. I'm, you know, it's it's long enough ago now that it's kind of hard to precisely remember, you know, the first moments. But I remember, you know, one one being a pretty long level for me, and just like every like two or three new enemies, I would die a couple of times, and then I would come back and and do the next section. And I remember getting completely ruined by the the Red Eye Knight. That was, uh, I think he he's guarding the. Uh, one of the graves i forget the name of the guy the npc that's over there oh um, yeah yeah but yeah, i remember yeah, I know what you're yeah talking he's about. got a he's got a um he's got a spear and mm-hmm. you know you usually don't have a weapon with a lot of reach and he, he would just wreck you so i it, it took me a while to get 
comfortable. I mean, there were some things I did not do at all in Demon Souls that I got I didn't end up doing until like much later in the series, which is parrying and getting used to to the timing on that. So th- there are some mechanics that I never really got very comfortable with. Um, I just sort of bludgeoned my way through that game. And I ended up doing a lot of grinding. I remember spending a lot of time in 4-2. Um, I would shoot the couple of manta rays, and then I would run down, kill the uh, the summoner guy that looks like the Grim Reaper, mm-hmm. and then I would jump down, kill the uh, metal skeleton, grab my souls, jump off the ledge, do it again. Sure. It just repeats so, over and over again, so you don't have to worry about yeah. trekking back to the the arch crystal or whatever they call it in Demon Souls. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up doing a, a, a lot of farming um, that that very first run because I wanted to try different weapons. I wanted to try, you know, different skills. Like I, I think I, I rolled a, a wanderer type. It was I think it was a. I, I spent a lot of time using the the scimitar, um, the enchanted scimitar, which is you know one of those weapons that you find in the game that is just really good, especially when you level it up. Mm-hmm. But in, in terms of the lore, um, there were a lot of things that I, I liked about the lore and sort of the setting and the atmosphere of Demon Souls. I mean, one of the things that uh, a lot of people people mention the atmosphere a lot, and one of the specific things that like nobody seems to mention is the the lighting that your character gives off. They have an item called the uh, Ajite of Souls, yeah, which is like on your hip, and it you know shines off a little bit yellowish orange light. And, you know, that game is very, very dark. For the for the one that wasn't called Dark Souls, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very dark game. And, you know, there's something about that light. Like, the other games didn't use the same type of light filter. Like, you could probably see just as far in Dark Souls when things get really dark. But there's something about Demon Souls that is extra oppressive because there's a bright light but it only goes about a couple of steps away from you. And so I, I think that was, that's a thing that really brought home that, that oppressive atmosphere. But, um, you know, I, I enjoyed Ostrava's, um, NPC line quest made in Australia is very cool. Mm-hmm. I thought the, uh, the fake out with King Alant was great. Yeah. I thought finding the monumental was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> just like literally trying to find it and crawling up all of those like thousands Ugh. of steps is that what you mean i'm embarrassed i'm embarrassed how long it took me to find him it must have been 20 minutes oh don't don't be because I, I did the exact same thing in fact <laughs> when i went back to demon souls uh because i played it and bounced off of it and like i played it for 45 minutes basically it was my my original play clock and then just like this sucks i'm never gonna play this again and when I went back, mm-hmm. I remember doing the exact same thing over again and like getting to that point of like, why is it, why can't I do anything? What do I need? Oh, the monumental. Where is that dickhead? Like, what, what do I have to do again? Yep. <laughs> like, I just couldn't. Yeah. 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 And like, so don't, there's don't, a little candle sad. that's, yeah, there's a little candle that you're supposed to help, help you find it, but the candle is even smaller than he is. It's just, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, one of the, the most interesting things about Demon Souls for me, and this is something I, I wish I could find the attribution for this quote because somebody said this i didn't make this up but they said demon souls was a a return to 8-bit style design and that really clicked in my head sort of the kind of the way they set up the encounters like these discrete little challenges that teach you how to play the game in a in a similar fashion than as your uh, um super mario brothers um i don't know if you've ever uh followed jeremy parish um his, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm aware extra of, of Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, his an anatomy of a game series is excellent. Um, he, he basically plays through games level by level and tries to describe how they teach you how to play the game. You know how thoughtful some of the elements of of like the Castlevania games or the Mario games are in terms of you know teaching the player how to play the game. And in a lot of ways, Demon Souls mimics that uh, very clearly in my mind. And you, you can even see it in the in the naming convention. You think of like World One 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 Two One Three. That's that's Mario. That's Super Mario. So that was just something about Demon Souls that I, I thought was really interesting. That's what that's what kind of clicked for you, is what you said. Like that that started yeah. kind of that that clicked in your head, and you were like, oh, this is how I should approach these things as individual challenges, and not get kind of bogged down in the details. Right. Yeah. You just have to you know you fight one enemy at a time or 
how, as few as you can at a time. You try to, you know, use the the terrain to your advantage. Uh, you know, there's there's so much of it that it's it's very these little discrete micro challenges that you have to overcome consistently in order to succeed to get to the next boss or the next area it took you about 69 hours to finish that and then you started playing <laughs> dark souls was that again on the ps3 so you just kind of stuck on the same system? yeah that was on ps3 that was on ps3 um i i didn't actually pick up dark souls until the spring of 2015 so like i waited like a year and a half to pick up dark souls because uh, at that point I, I i did have a job and my my job is politically focused so even years uh, i am very busy and odd years i am very not busy so, I mean, the main catalyst for me to get into Dark Souls, to actually pick it up and play it, was um, the Extra Credits YouTube channel uh, started a playthrough of it. And I, I like those guys a lot. It's a it's a game development channel. And they were going through, especially the, the early parts, they were going through and describing the the game development elements, you know, not just simply, oh, here's where this enemy is, or oh, this is cool, it's my first time through, like they were talking about collision detection and they were talking about little graphical tricks and and sort of things like the framing like dark souls one the framing of the environment is really excellent you know where you'll have places like in the asylum you have the large doors that open up and you can see you know see the way out out of the asylum and it's just framed really well and the lighting's really good you know it really draws your eye into the right place so i i decided you know there's no better time than now to actually play Dark Souls. So I picked it up. I started listening to Bonfire Side Chat. But what I ended up doing, you know, because 2015 is an odd year and I had a lot of time at work and I had access to YouTube, I ended up spoiling the entire game for myself <laughs> because I was so obsessed with the game. <laughs> I was so obsessed with the game. I, I, and I had a lot of free time. So I, I was watching, I ended up watching a complete playthrough. It was sort of like a guide playthrough. And I, I, I couldn't find the channel again because the SEO was terrible trying to search for that again. But it was it was a couple of, I believe, English guys um, describing, you know, a, a main run. The the build was a, a halberd, a lightning halberd build. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think the halberd is a great weapon. I think it's a great weapon that nobody talks about because for for me, there are basically two types of, of attacks. There's the... There's the narrow attack that has a lot of reach that's sort of just straightforward, the poke, and then there's the wide swing. And a lot of weapons, like, they'll have one and not the other. And the halberd is one of the few that has both, and I think that both are effective. You know, so I knew if I was, like, in a narrow hallway, like, let's say you're in Sen's Fortress, and there's that one balder knight um, near the top of it that's in a really, really narrow hallway... Like you could just use the poke all day mm -hmm. and know that you, you've got the reach and know you're not going to hit the walls and then then get hit by the enemy. But if also if you were to get swarmed by a bunch of guys, you could hit the R2 and just swing around and, and hit everybody. I, uh, so I'm in the middle I of a Dark Souls 1 playthrough right now, which is going to severely mm -hmm. date this podcast, but who cares? Um, <laughs> but I've been playing with a uh, Zweihander because I'd never done that before. And uh, oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's. That's exactly what I'm missing from that weapon is that that sort of flexibility because it does have a poke, but it's a rolling R1. So you have to, yeah, um, you have to be very careful with what you do. And it has an overhand smash, um, but it's you right. know, the, the R2 literally drains my entire stamina bar. And it it's you have to be very, very careful when you time it or you have to be able to poise through, uh, you know, attacks because you leave yourself open for quite a bit of time before it. So uh, it's. It, that yeah, kind yeah. of decision that, that those kind of choices and the weapons that you can that you can make are really interesting to me because I, I love the halberd like i played i think demon souls mm -hmm. if you, that starting class the night class with the halberd is one of the best ways to start that game people always say the royal will make it easy but i think getting that halberd upgraded and having that kind of spin to win and also the poke is is really mm -hmm. really powerful because it's it, you mentioned earlier like when you're talking about that red eye knight not having the range and that's exactly what that weapon gives you is the ability to be way behind way away from something and still damage right it, so yeah that, that first playthrough you know i ended up doing everything i ended up going to ash lake i ended up i actually ended up going down into the uh tomb of the giants pre lord vessel to get the silver serpent ring oh lord yeah and i ended up climbing my way all the way back i ended up climbing my way all the way out of out of ash lake uh because i, I knew there was stuff down there i wanted and 
you know, I, I had seen the playthrough of getting down in there, and I just kind of figured I'd just turn around and go back. So I, I ended up spending a lot of extra time traversing those areas and really, like, I, I was almost scared you couldn't get back from, from Tomb of the Giants. It almost feels like you can't, like, once you fall into uh, fall into that crypt area where um, Pinwheel is, yeah, and you climb out the other end, you're like, how do I go backwards? Oh, you just climb the, the, the top in the other way. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very totally scary, it's is, very is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Going from Tomb of the Giants, yeah. especially if you rest at the bonfire down there, going backwards through that is, mm-hmm. is terrifying because it's it's super dark. You don't really know where the enemies are, and it's kind of extremely confusing on purpose, I think, to it do is. that. So, yeah, it it's is. I've done it before, and it's it's not fun, and I, I never will do it again if I can help it. And I hate those dog enemies. They, have, they do too much stamina damage on your shield, and, like, there's really not a good... There are very good opportunities to get a good hit on them that's clean. Um, and, and then they throw two at you at a couple of times. Although, you know, having gone through it a bunch of times, there are so many enemies you can just skip or walk around if you know they're there. Like, the the direct path to Nito is only... You could probably only get away with fighting two guys, maybe three. That's the interesting thing about having played Dark Souls a long time. And I think this is applies to most of the Souls games uh, that... It's just, and I did this in Dark Souls three. That kind of, I think it kind of ruined my experience with Dark Souls three a little bit. But by that point, it was the fifth game in the series, and I knew, oh, I'm getting frustrated with this. I can just literally run past it and collect the shinies, and I don't care about my souls because I'll just go get souls later if I need them. So, I just it just became speed run the yeah. game for me at a certain point, and it's it's really crazy how fast you can complete these games if you don't bother killing anything. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. When when um, I mean, dark, when we get to Dark Souls three, because I played Dark Souls three after after one um but when bonfire side chat was going down you know they were they were wrapping things up i said okay i want to get back into dark souls one i ended up doing four runs and they were all wow. sub 10 hours each Jeez. and that included dlc so like yeah the knowledge compressing space thing like it's it's real and also if you end up with like you know two of those runs started off as as uh Zweihander runs and ended up being black knight weapon runs excellent because a good drop, of the drop. <laughs> nice oh <laughs> uh, yeah because i i was like okay i i, I want to finally do his vi run everyone talks about it everyone loves this loves this thing you know you can get it right away and then i went to go get the grass crest <laughs> grass crest shield um which i always get i always have it on my back you know to, to me this game you know stamina regeneration uber alles it's it's so powerful so I, I always go to get that, and there's that black halberd or the halberd knight there, and I managed to to kill him, and he dropped his halberd. And I'm like, well, I guess I have my weapon for the whole run. I mean, that, that's the I perfect up, weapon. Like I, I did the same thing on this oh, run, hoping so that I would get it. And I was like, okay, I'll just stick with the Z. So we the Zoi hander, I guess. Yeah, and the, the next time I'm like, okay, all right, I beat the game with the you know the the halberd. Let's see if I can get the. The, the great sword, the black knight, great sword. Mm-hmm. And I ended up getting that first try. <laughs> so I ended up using that weapon, which I think that is my favorite weapon in all of the games. I think it's the coolest looking weapon. I think the move set is a lot of fun, especially when you can R2 a guy and he goes flying on his back. Yeah, some of the most fun I've ever had in in Dark Souls is uh, just making the dumbest build possible, like a really dumb quality build with a ton of vitality, Mm -hmm. and then just being able to switch back and forth with all of the dumb Black Knight weapons, like the the Black Knight Great Axe with that crazy R2 that launches people in the air so far Uh, is just amazing. Like, Mm -hmm. all that stuff is so good. Yeah, I actually ended up, when I was doing a little bit of PvP, I ended up in a game of a guy who was was a... you know, he glitched the game or he was uh, hacking it because he was invincible and also gave me dropped like hack wep, you know, hacked weapons for me, which I didn't end up using. Um, I I thought like, OK, there's no way for me to kill this guy. You know, he's literally messaged me. I am God <laughs> <laughs> over 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 the uh, you know PlayStation Network. And I'm like, let's see if I can launch him off out of the ring because this was in the undead parish. So I, I tried to get I got the Black Knight sword the great sword and i just tried to knock him off and i got close but i wasn't i wasn't able to do it and he eventually just got tired and uh, of me and killed me <laughs> oh pvp i can't wait i just got to uh Anor Londo on this run and uh i went and defeated the four kings early 
So I've got oh, and yeah, I've spent I've all that. of the souls that I had on a uh, on red orb. So I'm going into Anorlando with mm. like 30 red orbs, and I'm just so excited. I'm going to get to Solaire's <laughs> bonfire, and I'm just going to sit there and invade until I run out of red orbs, and it's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> then I'm going to go donate all of my yep. humanity, and that's going to be it. <laughs> At some point, I got to try invading because most of my PvP stuff I, I've done trying to do just one on one fights because you know I'm I'm one of those guys like I, I'm that guy who plays. Final Destination, no items on Smash. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that there's a certain level of, of competition for me that, I, like, I, it, I I will get into. Like I said, I'm an enthusiast. Like, I want to actually grok the systems and, and grok the mechanics of a game. And I just never found PvP, at least the the you know straight up fighting PvP, very satisfying because I you know I would always I would always lose <laughs> mostly. <laughs> like I didn't I just. And then you would be like, you're frustrated. You're like, oh, I want to get back. I want to get into the next fight. And it's like 10 minute wait until the next next fight comes along. And by that point, I'm like frustrated. I'm like, ah, I can't really do anything. Yeah, Although it's I have um, to say, like my f- the, the thing to remember yeah. with Dark Souls PvP, I think that um, people like get initially into it because they're like, oh, I like this combat system and I bet it would be fun to fight another person. And then somebody invades you and they're immediately using the most unfair tactics ever. And unfair in like giant quotation marks, right? Because there's nothing really oh, yeah. unfair in a game that gives you all those tools unless you're out and out cheating. But, you know, all of a sudden you're poisoned and then they toxic you and then they're just using right. end game pyromancy at level 30 and like when you're in sins. And I've done all of these things. Like I'm guilty of every single thing that I'm <laughs> oh, saying. Oh, I know. I've so, listened to the podcast. I know. But uh, it gets, <laughs> It's one of those things where when you embrace the unfairness, you start having fun with it versus something like yeah. Dark Souls 3, which uh, like a, a majority of Dark Souls 3 patches over since it's been released are PvP balance stuff. And I'm just not interested in it whatsoever. Like the, the more fair that you make that, the more one on one, you know, final, final destination, no items you make that like the less interesting it is <laughs> for me. Yeah, I mean, they they put that in Dark Souls 2 and it, I, I tried it. It wasn't very good. I didn't I, at least I didn't have a lot of fun with it. Um, although I have to say like my favorite build that I did have for, for PVP, I had a, it was mostly a strength build. I had a a large club in one hand and the demon spear in the other (laughs) because so like what would happen is, you know, I, I was trying to use, you know, big fuck off weapons because I, I love big fuck off weapons, but they're just so easy to read and dodge and get backstabs on. So I figured I had to get a way to get, you know, to get to them while they're turtling. So I, I had the uh, the demon spear in my in my shield hand, and so I would try. You know, I'd be poking. But the thing is, the the demon spear also has lightning damage, which actually does pretty good chip damage, even mm-hmm. if you're it's fully shielded. So like it would actually get guys to to sort of break out of just turtling, and then gave me opportunity to try to use the club. And I still lost a lot, but at least I had like I got them down to like. 30% health instead of like 60%. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I, I have such a weird fondness for Dark Souls 1 PvP, and I, it's probably just because I put so many hours into it when, it, when the game was, was active. And it's, it's one of those things right. that I, I'm not even necessarily, I don't think I could ever say that it's good. I just like it a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And that, that distinction, it means a lot to me. Um, I think about it a lot, like in 2017, when games come out and, and things, and, you know, movies and stuff come out. And, you know, I, I watch bad stuff all the time. I watch bad movies all the time, and I know that they're not good. I just like them, <laughs> and I think that's a that's right. like it's okay to do that, right? Like you don't have to critically appraise everything that you do. And I, I don't think that Dark Souls One PvP taught me that lesson. But the more I think about it, like the more I think that it might have. <laughs> Surely I, yeah. I learned that earlier than 2011, but maybe I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, in terms of liking things that aren't quite as good, uh, I played Dark Souls Three next. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, actually, Dark Souls Three. I, I jumped in because that was the only opportunity I had to get in on the ground floor for any of the Souls games because it was the last one. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I didn't even play Dark Souls until 2015. Uh, so I, I, I picked it up, and I, I knew it was in the Bloodborne engine. I knew it was a little faster than regular Souls. It, you know, or like the earlier Souls games, and it it was really quite the adjustment. Like this game kicked my ass for a long, long, long time because. You know, shields didn't didn't work at all. Couldn't couldn't turtle at all. Just everything had so much stamina, and you know, did too much stamina damage. And you know, the bosses were really hard. And, it, and like, I ended up like it ended up being a crucible that made me better at all of the games. Like by the time I got to Bloodborne, like I had a much much easier time with Bloodborne 
because I had honed my my dodging skills in Dark Souls 3. But, like, yeah, pretty much, you know, pick a boss. I probably spent five hours on it the first time I, I tried to fight it. Dark Souls 3, it follows in the tradition of Bloodborne where um, they start ramping up the difficulty and and really... I'm not going to say unfair. Like I don't. I don't want to go that far. But in in unappealing ways to me. So, and this right. this is this has become a lot clearer to me as I've been playing Dark Souls One. Uh, going back to the Gaping Dragon, for instance, which was such a roadblock for me when I first started playing Dark Souls, and this time was oh yeah, like I know exactly what to do in this fight, and I can just execute it, and I didn't even have to do it for very long. And granted, like I, I wouldn't, I knew what I was doing by that point. Like I had a plus nine weapon or some some shit, right? Like I was, it was ridiculous. Like <laughs> yeah. I have that that kind of early, but even oh, then, so much damage. Yeah. It was just it was just a matter of executing what I knew. And by the time Dark Souls three rolls around, I I really and truly believe that they had been talking so much to their fan base, so much to the experts in their fan base, that they felt that they all fans wanted this this much bigger challenge and to be able to have to flawlessly ex- execute on a plan for in some cases, you know, time. eight to 12 minutes, which is just ridiculous. And that's where dark souls three falls yep. for me is, you know, I, I look at some of these bosses on, and they're sometimes they're trivially easy uh, to, to actually do damage on, but you just have to be good at it for such a long time that it just gets exhausting. And I'm like, what am I doing with my life? That this is taking every single attempt is taking eight minutes. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't seem like a long time until you're in there doing it. Right. Like that's, (laughs) it's exhausting. Yeah. And it's, it's just, and it's, Uh, it's, and it's disheartening. Like the, the moment that you find the dragon in the dark souls three DLC. And I like my plus 15, whatever, uh, hit it in the face and like, I just, a bare sliver of a, of the health bar dropped down. And I was like, well, surely I'm doing something wrong. And then I looked it up and was like, Nope, this, you just have to do Mm -hmm. it like a thousand times. Okay, cool. Well, I'm just not going to do that then. So yeah, Madeir is the, the one, well, not the one, but really one of the last hurdles I I've yet to, to overcome because I, you know, I don't really like to summon that much. I, I, I'm a solo guy. Like I, you know, part of it's just I like hoarding items and I, I worry that I'm going to run out of items and I'm just going to end up having to do it on my own anyway. So I, I've soloed pretty much every boss except for Chalice. I didn't I've never played Chalice Dungeons, so, so I can't really give you my opinion on them yet. But yeah, Madeira is is the last one I've definitely put effort into and I haven't finished because Persona 5 came out and I had to go play that instead. Yeah, sure. But yeah, the thing about Dark Souls 3 in particular, there's a couple of things that you know the timing window for dodging or you know when you want to dodge attack dodge they're so tight especially with bosses like the dragon slayer armor which is a fight i like a lot now but you know there's there's so many fights and there's so many moves that bosses have in three that are so fast like they're not telegraphed long enough Unless you are really sort of itching to dodge the second you see any movement. But by that point, you don't even you can't see the silhouette of the boss. You can't really tell if they're doing, you know, doing an attack that that's going to be that fast. You know, and that's that's something even even Gwyn does in one. Like he has that one attack that is just really immediate. And, you know, you're looking to parry and you're just going to whiff because he's you can't anticipate a swing that quickly. It's Mm -hmm. like that, but all the time. The the example I always go to that that I think started some of these kind of attack patterns is Artorius, because sometimes he'll do mm-hmm. like four flips and a smash in a row, but sometimes he does yep. three, and then every once in a while he tricks you and he does two, and you're like, okay, he's yep. just done two like four times in a row, so I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly get a couple. Of, oh, he did three and four. Okay, never mind, I'm dead. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you have to really be very judicious on either being patient to you know go to swing your sword or whatever, or just knowing that there are safer moves to react to than that one. Like the one where he dives and he plunges his sword in the ground. Like, you know, you've got a hit or two in there before he's going to get back at you. But the, you know, I, I, I love Autorius. I, I like the Manus fight a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I hear a lot of people say like, Oh man, that one's really tough. And I'm like, compared to what's in dark souls three, he's, he's pretty manageable. As long as you don't get hit by his dark magic stuff, because that wrecks you yeah, very, totally. very fast. But there, there's also like one thing I noticed the last time I, I, I fought him, you know, I started summoning Sif and Sif is not super useful in that fight, you know, at least in terms of damage. But what I noticed that Manus has this what five hit combo that does a whole lot of damage if you get caught up in it and, and it juggles you. 
if he starts that combo while he's facing Sif and you try to go up behind him, he'll turn around and hit you with a mid-combo. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> It's, Every single time. I can't believe yeah. they let that happen. <laughs> I, I was just like, oh, yes, he's committed. Every time a boss, you know, anything commits to a move, he can't change directions. And like, nope. <laughs> uh, yeah, Manus is a... Uh... He's he's an interesting fight. Like Artorius and Manus were like the start of I think difficult boss fights, which kind of took us yep. a, a sidestep in Dark Souls two to a degree. I mean, they had the ancient dragon, which I think was pretty bullshit, but for much different reasons. Um, it wasn't until you know, we got Bloodborne and Dark Souls three that they really started leaning into high HP enemies with lots of mm-hmm. um, really hard to read combos that could they could change up on you and things like that. Dark Souls yep. two big Dark Souls two's big. Um, crime for me is just the like the the turntable enemies that would just like rotate to fight you or something that just looked really mm-hmm. bad so that but i can deal with that like that's not killing me that's just right. it looks weird when i'm fighting yeah. them so yeah i mean the, the the other thing about dark souls 3 enemies that i, I you had trouble with cause usually what you do in dark souls games is you get your opportunity you get your hits in and you try to get as many hits while they're open and then try to get out but what would happen in Dark Souls three, and like, I think like the Irithyll knights or the you know the guys that fight you in Irithyll, they they're so fast, like you can't hit them three times in a row. What would happen is you know the timing of your swings, you'd go one, two, and then they would break your combo immediately every single time. Mm-hmm. So like you you're thinking, okay, it's going to take like four or five hits to kill this guy. Let me try to at least get halfway through his health. But the game is designed to not let you do that. And I don't think any of the other games really had that, you know, they didn't give their enemies fast, you know, replies to moves that you couldn't, you know, you had to learn that you couldn't hit him three times in a row. You could only hit him twice and then you have to roll immediately. Yep. That's Absolutely. something that just, it's all over Dark Souls 3. But I, I enjoy that game a lot because that's, you know, I, I started, you know, despite all these difficulties and whatnot, I, I really got very good at the game uh i started watching uh speed runs by distortion 2 i don't know if you ever followed his stuff before he used to get a lot of uh world records but uh, he would do a lot of these um what do you call meme runs he would just pick a pick a weapon and then do a run with it and he's done some pretty ridiculous runs uh but i i copied a couple of him i i did the the cystus mm-hmm. or cystus uh the Farron great sword uh builds like that and those were a lot of fun although the the you know using fist weapons on bosses in in dark souls 3 is really hard <laughs> yeah i uh i've told the story a couple of times but starting with a um a uh, a dagger on a sorcery build and you know just that dagger not being able to do anything up close like i'm not i really really like the cestus in dark souls 2 especially when you power stance them i think it's a lot of fun but uh having to be mm-hmm. that close with no shield is is very frightening <laughs> yeah well it's also like because the way like you want to get in as many punches as possible so you're 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 hitting that l1 a lot trying to do the combo but then you hit it one too many times with the you know the input buffering the way it works and then you just get punished so you have to be like really judicious about how how many punches you can try to get in and i would just you know get a little too greedy and then get punished and then die so hmm. like i it took me a long time to beat nameless king with with the fist weapons but i i, I did it i eventually did it but uh that's a, you know I, that's I, a big accomplishment because <laughs> I, I i think i fought that dude like three times and that was every single time i was like i'm never doing that again i'm just never gonna bother mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, you know, if it weren't for the fact you had to redo the, the, uh, the storm King of Storms fight beforehand, yeah. I, you know, I think that fight would be much better and for him to be less punishing with his hits and to but, not have infinite know, stamina and to have about three quarters of the HP that he does. That. <laughs> you know, there, there is a cheese strat for him and I, you know, I think distortion two uh, is the guy who might've found it. If you take the bone wheel shield and use its L2, its spitting L2 attack, you can stun lock him to death. Oh, nice. I didn't and know it's, that. That's it's really cool. Excellent. Uh, I'll, I'll send you the link to it. It's it's really, really funny um, because you have this guy who's like, yeah, infinite stamina, just so powerful, and you can just stun lock him <laughs> as long as you have uh, have the, the magic points to do it. Yeah. But uh, let, let's talk about uh, Dark Souls 2. Let's do it. I mean, is that where you went after Dark Souls 3? 
Yeah, yeah. So I, I played Dark Souls three. I took a break. I probably I think I played Metal Gear Solid five for a bit, and then, you know, this was twenty sixteen. You know, I'm, I'm in the swing of an election season, but I'm feeling like ah, I really need I really need to blow off some steam. Let's do Dark Souls two, and you know, I I really enjoyed that game, but it, it definitely does. It is missing a certain like uh, je ne sais quoi that you know, Dark Souls 1 had, and that Dark Souls 3 tried to ape but didn't quite get there. I think it's it's, um, it's interesting that that game tries so much to be its own game um, that mm-hmm. I think that you could have made that game and put, you know, Dragon Souls on it and cut all of the references yep. to Dark Souls on it, and I think it would have been more successful than if they had called it Dark Souls 2, right? Just the expectation yeah. of it playing exactly like Dark Souls 1 or similar or, or, or whatever, but if it had been a demon, dark, and then dragon, like that, those differences, I think, would have been a lot more palatable for people. But yeah, the, just there's right. just enough there to rub people the wrong way, and boy, did it <laughs> rub people the wrong way at the beginning. Yeah. Well. By the time I had gotten to it, you know, people had come around on it or I had heard enough positive opinions or just saying, like, you know, it's not going to be what you think it is, but go in and have a good time. And and, and I did because I, I love power stancing. I, I can't believe they got rid of power stancing because that is my favorite part of the game because it, it got me to try way more weapons. It got me to try different combinations. Um, I think my, my first – I've only done two runs, which is just new game, new game plus on the same character. I started – with a warped blade plus a uh, high knight sword build. So I was just doing a spin to win mm-hmm. and, and that was a lot of fun. And then later in the game, I, I ended up getting dual smelters and respect for it. And then said, I like this so much. I'm going to do a whole nother, you know, I'm going to do new game plus with it. And I did. And that was also excellent. <laughs> I'm the same way. Like that game just showers you with upgrade materials and so many weapons <laughs> oh, it's so good. and so many different, so many souls that it just, it just empowers you from almost from the very beginning. Um, it's, it's very, very different than dark souls three. I think where I felt like, felt like I was struggling to get every single level or every single upgrade or every single you know weapon that I got. Um, and it was so much more fun because of that. Yeah. The, the upgrade economies in the games have changed so much back and forth. Like, Demons and Dark 1, they are, you know, everything is so scarce. And the drops are so, you know, few. And until you can start farming souls and then buying them from certain shops, you know, I, I had, like, anxiety about committing my materials to any any one weapon until I was very sure that was the weapon I wanted to use for the rest of the game. Because they're just, you know, you weren't going to get another slab, so you can't just throw a slab onto any longsword. Yeah, you know, because I've tried farming slabs off of uh, off of the the um, the dark raids, <laughs> uh, and and seventy five chunks like, I got later. Chunks. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been there. Yeah. I've done that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I did that run for a long time on on one of my characters, and it just didn't didn't ever happen for me. Um, but also, I'm telling you the thing that the thing in, that will save Dark, Dark Souls from all of this grinding, upgrade material bullshit, and I've this, I've been hammering this home for the last few episodes now um, is just let let me upgrade weapon slots, not actual weapons, so that you know yeah, my primary sure. weapon yeah. slots plus ten, but I've only got enough materials to have a backup weapon that's at plus five or, or whatever. Like that's that seems like a reasonable trade off, and you know that means that I get a certain amount of upgrade materials in, throughout the game, and I need to scour to get every single one of them so that I can max out right. all of my equipment slots, and then I'm done, and I can play anything yeah. i want to in the game and i can just have fun with weapons yeah no it's funny because dark souls 3 in particular you know since i got used to to using speed running methods to get through that game uh you know it became very clear where the lines were like you can only get up to plus four before abyss watchers mm-hmm. you can only get up to plus seven you know and, and that's if you're being if you knew all the tricks like if you knew what to drop for the crow you know if you knew where all the items were um you, you could only get up to plus seven before dancer so, like, there are these hard stops and, you know, sometimes being able to break that order. Like, I, I, I beat Dancer early once, and that's probably my one of my favorite accomplishments <laughs> in the series. Because, like, beating Dancer at level, like, 36 is really, really hard. Oh, yeah. It's it's extremely tough. Like, I've tried it several times thinking, like, oh, I'm going to... I'm going to, you know, just go up there and get all of the, you know, chunks that I can so I can get my an early advantage and just throw my head out of here for like five, six, seven, eight, ten times and just be like, okay, no, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm just going to play through normally. 
Yeah, and I've tried to do the Karthus Rouge thing, and I just sometimes like you just go, oh man, I just got to keep hitting as fast as I can, or else the the bleed won't proc, and then you end up dying because dancer's really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she she'll grab me, and then that's an instant kill, or like she'll hit me twice, and I'd be dead. So like it, it, it I really learned that boss fight, but that you know. I, I was only able to pull that off once, but it was it was super satisfying, and I ended up getting a, a I believe it was like the croak quills to like plus ten really really fast. Mm-hmm. The 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 DLC weapon that's like the rapier, but better. Oh yeah, yeah. I like the I quills. It, I, I like the quills a lot, nerf. even though I, they're so buried in there that I you know just I just would never yeah. do a run. You know, you run with them because they're so buried so far into the game. Mm-hmm. Actually, I, I actually went and got it early. Like as soon as I got to the cathedral, I jumped in, ran down, got got the quills, and then pieced out, which was hilarious. Like you know, you have these, you know, the, the even the regular scrub enemies in Ashes are so strong. Like I, I just couldn't fight anything. I just had to run for it, but I was able to do it and it was able to get out, which I was I was pretty surprised by. But that was really really tense, and I. I, I like Ashes. I, I think I'm one of the few people that <laughs> thinks Ashes has a lot of good stuff in it. It just happens to be very small. Yeah, it's 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 okay. small. I, it's really it's really frustrating for me for reasons I've I've gone in there. But I'm you know a lot of people seem to really mm-hmm. enjoy it, so I'm not going to take that away from them. I'm I'm yeah. curious I mean, what I, your I, experience was uh, since you went in blind with this game. Did you enjoy the game more going in blind, or was it more frustrating for you not having kind of some resources to to lean on? Um, I, I think it was better for it because I ended up, you know, I, I, I do scour every part of the level the first time through and then I just sort of, you know, excise little bits as much as I can each way through. So, like, if you were to watch my playthroughs, the first one's usually like 70-ish hours, the next one's half that, and then the next one after that is half that. And so, I mean, going through blind, you know, there were just so many surprises you know, things jumping out of other court, you know, other corners and, and finding things and be, you know, enjoying the, the, the sense of discovery and also the surprises. Like I wasn't spoiled on Anna Orlando and that was nice. huge. Yeah. I, I know you weren't and that's, <laughs> I feel bad for you, man. Cause like that was, that just blew my mind. I mean, I was, it's, it's weird because like the game told me, like the game spoiled me. I think that's the, that's the distinction. True. That's true. Yeah. Like the, yeah. with Yuria or not Yuria. Um, oh, I've already forgotten her name now, but the, the, the dark chick or whatever, like, like, like right. oh, we're going to get you married. Yuria sounds right. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to get mm-hmm. you married and it's going to be in the, in the cathedral of Anna Orlando. And I'm like, what do you mean it's going to be in the, Aww. that Anna Orlando? <laughs> and I hadn't gotten to yeah. it yet, but and I was just like, that seems like really weird. And it was, so I still had that moment, you know, where I'm, I'm yep. going through and I'm like, Oh shit, this is the dark moon tomb. Oh shit. This is the elevator. And then you get the title screen. I'm like, Oh shit, this is Anna Orlando. Um, yep. but yeah, it was, I think that's a good way to spoil somebody in, in game. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I hate it for people like my, my friend Cliff, who like got the map that came with the game and saw Anna Orlando on it was like, Oh, okay. I guess Anna Orlando yeah, is in the uh, game. That's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for for me, like I, I I listened to the bonfire side chat about it, and they picked it up like way before you know the game drops the the title card on you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, good on them for for being sharp. Or like you know, I noticed the the, the Guinevere picture, and I went like, oh, I guess that's a reference, you know. Or like it wasn't like I thought like this is the place. I just figured, oh, there's a there's a painting of Guinevere. She's a goddess, you know. There's they're around. And then, but when I, you know, after I, I beat, um, oh God, what's the boss's name? The pontiff and, and went to the next side. I just, yeah, just jaw dropped. <laughs> yeah. Well, have you, uh, have you played Bloodborne? Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I was going to wait longer to play Bloodborne mm-hmm. because, you know, at that point we were talking October, which October is the busiest part of my job every year, but especially on even years, like i putting in a ton of hours and everyone's really burnt out and stressed. But I was like, I had, I was like, the itch was too big. I had to go play Bloodborne. And I, I had a, you know, I had a PS4 at that point. I didn't, I did not buy it for the game. It was given to me. It was a gift. Because <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to ask that question. Uh, <laughs> I usually do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I decided to go with the threaded cane. So I went, uh, with the threaded cane throughout the game. And I, I like that game a lot. You know, I, I, I do want to revisit it at some point. Um, but you know, I, I had a, 
you know, there was a, a few roadblocks early on where I, I struggled really hard. Like Cleric Beast was the first boss I went for. He kicked my ass for a long time. And I, you know, I ran out of Molotov cocktails and because you know, that's that's the easiest way to beat him. But I was too stubborn to grind. So I just ended up going over and over and over again until I, I ended up beating him. And then I also fought Bloodstarved Beast and uh, Dark Beast Parl early. Mm-hmm. So, like, those were, like, three of the first four bosses, and they were really, really, really hard. And But after that point, I, you know, I think I, I had gotten an understanding of, of the rhythm of the game and ended up having a much smoother ride throughout the rest of the game, except for here and there, like, like, Abritus, terrible. <laughs> it's such a terrible fight. <laughs> it's it's not great. I agree. <laughs> uh, because like you know, I would get one shot by so many attacks. You know, I would th- think I'd be doing well. I would have gotten a visceral or two, and then I think, okay, I got this. And then like she would do her laser beam Corona thing and just murder me immediately. I couldn't figure out how to dodge it, but I, I managed to beat her at some point. I you know I had a lot of trouble with the living failures. Really, that's not something I, that you hear I, often. No, yeah, no. What would happen is I would get nuked. Uh, you know those those uh, those attacks that you know coming from the sky, the meteors coming down. I couldn't dodge them consistently, and I didn't get the shield. So I, you know, which is the easy way to get by that. So it would just kill me every single time. And I I got lucky. The time I beat them, I it I actually managed to survive twice. That I survived that attack back to back times, and it was like the second time I was like praying, like <laughs> please, please, Gwen, don't let me die here. I'm so close. I have like two guys left, and they're mostly dead. <laughs> and I and I survived. Oh, uh, I was I was underwhelmed by Maria, the Maria fight. Really? Had you beat German at that point, or, or were you going through kind no. of no? So that she was your first like no. serious hunter fight at that point. Yeah, I mean, I. I mean, I think I had faced uh, Eileen the Crow or or some some of the other, you know, Hunter-esque fights. But I, you know, the thing about Maria, it, it only took me three tries, but I feel like the last time, I don't know how I ended up doing so much damage so quickly. It just, you know, I felt like instead of, usually you get into a boss fight, you get into a rhythm, you figure out the dodge timing, you figure out the, the telegraphed attacks, and then you, you pick your moments, and then you just get into, a, you know, a flow state. And you beat the boss. I feel like I stumbled my way through that fight and it ended up not enjoying it as much as I would have if I really understood how to dodge her attacks, especially once she has like the blood flame stuff going on. Yeah, like, I couldn't yeah. figure out how to get those dodges to feel good. If you didn't like her, but, how did you how did you feel about German and Orphan of Cause? Uh, German was fine. That that wasn't, you know, it wasn't the super memorable fight. I feel like I, I you know. He killed me a couple of times, but it, it wasn't too bad. Uh, Orphan of Cause is my favorite fight in the series. I love that fight. Just because it's so intense and crazy? Yeah. It's, uh, it's you know, the thing about Bloodborne is that it's it's so fast, it's so dodge-heavy, and it's it's frantic in a way that other Souls games aren't. And I think Cause is the epitome of that because, you know, that – there's a lot of enemies where you fight them and they scream and they sound angry and then they just sort of plot along and like maybe do a slow swipe with their claw or what have you. But like Kaz is after you and he is so mad. He's not thinking clearly. You know, he's just enraged in a way that feels so real and visceral. And, and that fight is just, you know, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat the entire time, but, and dodging, dodging his attacks with his little like hook, you know, boat anchor thing feels really good. I just, I really enjoyed that that fight. I mean, there's there's some parts of it that are kind of bullshit. You know, some of the AOE stuff, or like that that lightning ring that that'll come out. Like, it's hard. I find it hard to dodge. I like but the other than that. I, the, I, I like that fight for the exact same reason you you mentioned, which is just that he is in mm-hmm. your face, and then you get to the second phase and then he just like, Oh, you really want to fight. Now you have really pissed me off and mm-hmm. now he's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and also just the presentation, like when you when you first get there, like that's so good. Oh yeah, all of that stuff. That that whole it's, area, it's like really, I love the fact that you can go out um, so far out into the the water. Like that's normally not something yeah. that you can normally do. And if you go out there, like you have so much less stuff to get hung up on, and you can like kind of look back mm-hmm. towards the weird um, corpse beach thing, and it's like this whole view that you don't normally get on a boss arena. Like it's really really nice. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely like that. That's my highlight of Bloodborne is is that fight, and that fight didn't end up taking me that long. I think I only I beat it on my third or fourth try. You know, I was just I, I guess I was I just got in the zone or like my my reflexes just paired a lot better with him than it did with Maria. So so I'm curious as someone who has consumed most of these games and then the last couple of years, which is a lot of souls content to happen like with, with that is. kind of compressed it space. Um, I'm always impressed <laughs> that they produce that much content, much less that some people like consume it that quickly. Uh, are you, are you paying attention to, you know, announcements and you know, they, they released that shadows die twice teaser and things like mm-hmm. that. Are you, are you looking forward? Are you like looking for them to, or, to release bloodborne two or dark souls four or like, what do you, what are you kind of looking forward to them to do? I mean, whatever they put out, I'll play it. I mean, except for maybe Ar- Armored Core. <laughs> but <laughs> I just haven't played it. I just don't – I mean, maybe I'll like it, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm i not that interested in it. I mean, the teaser – yeah, I'm, I'm aware of it because I, I follow gaming news and obviously I'm in the Slack with you guys and everyone talks about these things. Uh, you know, I'll be – you know, I'll be ready when it comes around. I'm not in any rush. I have so many other games I got to play. You know, I, I am excited. Like Bloodborne Two, I think would be a disappointment, though. I, I think there's it's going to be very hard to top the top that. And I think the novelty of that setting and you know, it was was a big part of why that worked so well. Mm-hmm. And it'd be really hard to to pull that off twice because, like, you know, the time you when I when I got to Yaragul the second time, you know, when after the first time when you get captured, um, like I knew it was coming. I was told there there were invisible creatures. Um, you know, hiding in plain sight that eventually get revealed, but it still did not prepare me for the impact of how big that felt. And I don't think they'll be able to, you know, it's it's a lightning in a bottle thing. I think Dark Souls 1 was lightning in a bottle. I think Bloodborne was lightning in a bottle. I And it's really, really hard to do, really hard to do that. It, what's your um, ideal pie in the sky release game from them? Oh. <laughs> now, I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, I mean, I would like to see something sci-fi because, I mean, I, I'm i okay with the fantasy setting, but, you know, I'm, I'm a sci-fi guy at heart. And I think a lot of the, you know, a lot of the things about the Dark Souls series that I enjoy, you know, there's a nihilism to those games, but it doesn't feel like a hateful nihilism, if that makes a lot of sense. Sure. Like, you know, there, there's something about, like, everything is dying Everything is ruined. All these characters are flawed and are falling apart, but it doesn't feel painful. You know, it feels like there's a certain numbness to it because that's just how the world is. And I, you know, I think that's that's what's really compelling about the stories and the settings in these games. And I think that would pair perfectly in a dystopian future cyberpunk version of of Souls. I don't know how like the mechanics would work at all, but like I just I think thematically. You could do a lot with that, especially with the environmental storytelling kind of thing they like to do. Interesting. Well, Matt, thank you very much for guesting on the show. This has been a, just an absolute blast to, to talk to you, and I'm gl- glad I get to relive some PvP experiences Aww. during this. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for having me. Can you tell everybody where um, you can be found on the internet? Um, primarily in the DuckFeed Slack, um, but there are a couple of places. Uh, I was recently a guest on the Doctor Who podcast, Alex and Rachel vs. the Hooniverse. Uh, the episode is called The Great Scottish Werewolf Drinking Game, which is, covers uh, the episode Tooth and Claw from Season 2. Uh, that That's was a cool. whole lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also am, at the time this released, um, my current podcast project would be out by now. It's called uh, Lightning Strikes Thrice. It's a Final Fantasy 13 focused podcast. Uh, we're playing through at least the main trilogy. We might play some other games after that. But uh, we should start uh, dropping episodes uh, early in February. So if, if anybody wants to um, get in contact with us, uh, you can email us at contact at lightningstrikesthrice.com. Cool. 
Um, and that should be a, a whole lot of fun. I'll have um, ping me when you start that show so I can add it to the notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and also so I can retweet on Twitter because I know I've, there's several uh, Twitter mutuals that I have that are very, very much into Final Fantasy 13 and, and Lightning and that whole thing. So I can, I can point you to some good people. <laughs> Yeah, we, we have a, a domain name ready. We just uh, and we just recorded uh, the first two episodes on Sunday, so um, so it, we're we're primed and ready to go. Awesome. Well, thanks again for guesting, man. I really appreciate this. Oh, thank you for giving me the opportunity, Secret Santa. <laughs> Not so Secret Santa. <laughs> As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. Uh, I've recently launched a Patreon for Don't Give Up Skeleton, so if you want to support the show directly, you can go to patreon.com slash don'tgiveupskeleton. It's uh, kind of a bare-bones thing right now, but um, I have some some good ideas for goals coming in 2018 that I think that people are going to be very excited about. So pay attention to that. Um, Also pay attention to the Instagram page, Don't Give Up Skellies. I post brief videos of each episode so you can kind of get a preview of every every episode that I release every week. So you can kind of get an idea what you're going to get into. Um, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for the uh, very nice iTunes reviews that I've gotten recently. That's, that's extremely cool and, and, and great. I'm extreme. It's extremely cool. And I'm extremely grateful. There we go. That's how words work. Um, uh, again, thank you for listening and remember, don't give up skeleton. Don't do it. And we're good. All right.